Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are... Well, it's good gardening. We're live and lively from Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center on Firma Road here off Highway 79 in O'Fallon. Actually, a couple of people that heard me talking about the uh, Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center stopped by and got some plants, even though it's raining. So they are still here. They are going to be open, and a bunch of the staff are starting to show up. So with Brian and Ryan, they're doing the engineering, and Greg's back in studio making, let's say, this tip of the trowel hour which is the second hour possible so i'll be giving the tip of the trowel in a few moments but thanks for having me on your show remember if you were not there i would not be here if you have any questions comments or concerns 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 how about your annuals your pansies or violas those spring flowering you know annual bulbs no no they're not bulbs or plants but uh the warmer weather kind of caused them to elongate a little bit, but boy, they are loving this cooler weather. So the stems are elongating, the flowers are a little bit smaller than they were initially, but they still got some time to go. So they actually have, if you want to get a couple pansies or violas, they still have some here at Plant Haven Farms. And uh, how about your bulbs, your spring flowering bulbs? I finally started to cut my the foliage on some of my spring flowering bulbs because the foliage was half brown. Edibles, ground covers, house plants, tropicals. I've got my house plants outside. Kaffir lilies, or that's what basically I have for house plants. Uh, one of them's already in bloom, so nice orange flowers. And uh, perennials, roses, tree shrubs, vines, or water gardens. But please, a reminder, my answers, comments, and opinions are certainly not the only garden path to take, but just offered as a suggestion that you may consider. And if you are considering changes in your yard, your landscape, or your garden, whether aesthetic or problem-solving, you'd like for me to come over to your home and do what I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, and uh, there's an email address and a phone number right there. And we can schedule a walk and talk, and I will come out and troubleshoot, design, you know, as far as making recommendations, care maintenance, or anything else that you might have in mind. After the show today, I'm headed a little bit further west into Wentzville off Highway Z and uh, for a walk and talk. Today's tip of the trowel, special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, goes out to, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel goes out to everybody, garden center staff-wise. You don't know how difficult it is to keep all the plant material looking good and everything else, and you know, they're open when it's raining, but it's really tough to keep the plants really looking good with this up and down and all around. So tip of the trial goes out to every garden center staff member throughout the entire region. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We are live and lively from Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center, the location on Firma Road, which is off 79 in O'Fallon, 636-272-5005. Also, they have another location in Olivet on the same parking lot with the Olivet Bowling Alley. And uh, they're on the west side there. That's at 9520 Olive in Olivet, so I believe that has a separate phone number, but uh, just call the, the number that I just gave you. You don't remember it? Well, it's 636-272-5005. Back to the phones we go, Chester, Illinois, and that's where Steve lives. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi there. Um, I dug out a U, and I was wanting to put a Japanese maple back in its place. Would that be all right, or would that soil be like too acidy? No, no, that's perfectly fine. Just don't put it right on top of where the U was. Okay. So beyond that, did you get most of the root systems out of the U? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Then that's perfect. So you got a good oh. – dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So you want the top part of the root ball to be above the surrounding ground, and that's about all you really need to do. Okay. Thank you, then. Yep. Bye. And that's Steve, and let's go to Vicki. Vicki is in Chesterfield. Hi, Vicki. Hi. I have a plant in – uh, last year, somebody told me that uh, I thought it was a delphinian. And somebody said, no, that is monkshood, and it's very poisonous. So I called up the uh, Missouri Botanical Garden. They said everything on a monkshood is definitely poisonous, even the root, the everything, everything right. on it. And so anyway, so I, I, I sprayed it all real good, and I took it out and everything. This spring, it is bigger than ever and i don't understand it i sprayed it with roundup and i mean i thought i got it out by the roots and everything now i'm so scared to take it out again it, it, if i took up a a stem and a a, a leaf would a, a good garden company be able to tell me if it's delphinium or if it's monks i mean what is the difference in the looks well, why don't you, probably is easier to do that. Just go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and put the name of the plant in and see if it looks like the one you have. The, okay. the difference is, for the monk's hood, they're, they're kind of like uh, the flower petals are, let's say, turned down a little bit. But the delphiniums, usually their, their flowers are pretty much wide open. So that's the main difference. They're both blue, but uh, just you can check the website at the Missouri Botanical Garden, or you could take one to your favorite garden center. Now, when, you, when did you spray it as far as with the Roundup? Oh, I sprayed it before I took it out. Well, I mean, what season was that? Oh, it was last, uh, last year after the person told me that I had uh, monkshood. So was it in the fall or was it in the spring? It was, it was in the late spring. Okay, then... You know, it was actively growing and everything else. That's why I always tell people if you're going to apply any kind of herbicide, particularly on one specific thing, be it violets or monkshood or whatever it happens to be, I always say crush the leaves because what that does is open up wounds so the herbicide can be sucked in a little bit easier. But if it came back after you sprayed it, did you see any signs of it, you know, last year at all after you sprayed? No. uh -uh. Oh, really? So I would say. What I want to know is how how come they can sell that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who sold it or anything else. But I don't remember are. where I got it either, and I don't even remember buying it. <laughs> maybe you didn't. Maybe you know. Maybe the seed came in with something else, unexpected or whatever it happens to be. But there are you know plants like castor beans 
you know, that are sold. And yeah. consequently, the beans are, you know, poisonous. The plant's yeah. not really poisonous or anything else. So, it, you know, the people that get those kind of things, you know, you, you just have to be cautious about it. Okay. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, just try, go to mo, M-O-B-O-T dot org. That's a Missouri Botanical Garden site. And just, you know, put in the plant that you're, you know, concerned with, the monk's hood or the delphinium. There's several different kinds of delphiniums, too. And uh-huh. uh, just check it out that way, or you can take it to your favorite garden center. If you do take it to the garden center, make sure when you make the cutting that you don't let it all wilt down by the time you get there. So, anyway, okay. good luck, Vicky. So, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate, but there are some, you know, there's some different things that are, you know, cause problems, and they are being sold. Uh, now let's go to uh, Stuart, and Stuart is in St. Charles. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Mike. I've got like your recommendation. I'd like to make a, a hedge, an evergreen hedge, about 20 feet long. Um, uh, about seven to ten feet tall. Um, you got any recommendation as far as plants? Uh, and you want it evergreen? How how wide can it get? Oh, uh, no limit on the width. Okay, no limit. Then I would no. say so. I mean, I would That's not just not go with an arborvitae. I mean, yeah. I just I just don't like the looks. And I <laughs> low maintenance, no bagworms. <laughs> 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 I mean, there are upright junipers, but you can get bagworms with those as well. So, I mean, that's one of the options that you can get. If you okay. do decide on the junipers, I mean, they're tough, they're durable. Just make sure the second name, it'll be Juniperus chinensis rather than Juniperus, you know, Virginianus. The Virginianus one is the one that is, you know, the cedar that you see along the highway. You could certainly use that. You could, you, I mean, boxwood, but it's going to take it a long time to get that tall. And uh, okay. there are, you know, a few other things, but, you know, the size that you really want and the width that you want, you could consider, I mean, something as untraditional as uh, some of the hybrid varieties of the, you know, the evergreen magnolias, but they drop the, you know, the sort of the plastic leaves onto the ground. So uh, probably yeah. I would think, you know, boxwood might be your best choice. Boxwood, hey, boxwood or juniper. What height of the, uh, the plant am I, can I expect to – how fast is the growth, I guess? Uh, the, on the, on box the boxwood, it's not going to be real fast. If you want to get something okay. that's fast, I would go with the, you know, the Juniperus chinensis and maybe the, you know, the Hetsy variety because that's going to be a little so, bit more narrow. What variety? H-E-T-Z-I-I, Hetsy. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go to from St. Charles down to Arnold in into Scotch Yard. Hi, Scott. How you doing? Very good. I'm just curious. Year after year, when we put mulch down, do you recommend like taking the years previous years mulch out because that just kind of continues to pile and pile? What do you What do you recommend? No, don't. You don't need to take the previous years mulch out, but uh, you really. I mean, mulch is really to benefit the plants. A lot of times we put the aesthetics above that. So around trees and shrubs, you never want the mulch any thicker or deeper than three to four inches. And around perennials and that kind of circumstance, one to two inches. So if anything, you should basically just kind of rake it up if you're not liking the color and just put a very thin layer on it. But don't get it too deep because you can cause more problems for your plants than you're actually doing good. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. And for anybody, if if your mulch is pretty much because it is mulch, it's alive. You know, it was alive once. It's an organic product, so it does break down. But while it is breaking down, it can bind up nutrients. So if you're putting some fresh mulch down and you basically have nothing left, you're probably better off to put a little bit of fertilizer down. So, I mean, some low analysis fertilizer like 510.5 or something along, along that line to kind of compensate for what the actually mulch, as it starts breaking down, is going to do. And mulch does kind of bind up you know, some moisture, too. That's not much of a, as much of a concern as potentially it binding up the nutrients while it's sitting there, and you've, especially if you have newer plants in that location. Now let's go to Loretta. And Loretta's in Florissant. Hi, Loretta. Hi. I have uh, about six burning bushes, and they're oh, maybe six. Some of them are six. Some of them are eight, eight foot tall. And I'd like to know how much can I cut off of those because they're getting they got so I can't hardly look out my windows. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's, I mean, people never really look at maturity as far as the size goes when they plant things in a certain place. But if you cut more than one-third of it off, it's going to look a little bit rough. And if you cut it off now, they've already had their surge of growth for this year. So you're really pretty much going to be looking at what, after you cut it, maybe some stems that have very few leaves on it or those kind of things. But 25 to 30% is about all I would take off. The ideal time to do it would be in the fall after they've turned color. But uh, if you need to get them out of there, you know, prune them now, then go ahead and do it. But get it done soon because sooner or later we're going to start having some, you know, intense sun and you could burn some of the stems and things like that on the burning bush. Right. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, and the, the burning just comes from sun burning more or less because the tips have gotten stronger and more weather resistant as a result of where they are. And we take those off, then the leaves that are left are now, even though at one time they were at the end of the branches, they can get sunburned or exposed. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you. Yes, folks, we are live and lively. Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center here on Firma Road. They do have another location in Olivet on Olive Road, the uh, Olivet Bowling Alley. Parking lot, not inside. So just don't get confused. And uh, we're in O'Fallon right now on Firma Road. And joining me right now is Pauline. Well, hi, Mike. Um, so you actually have staff out here working. I see you're out here in the rain. Out in the rain, rain or shine. Yeah, um, you guys are tough. I know, we are tough. Speaking of rain, our Olivet location does have sort of weather hours because if it's too stormy, rainy, lightning, we have to close. And I know some customers get upset about that, so I just want to say a big apology that, unfortunately, it's not a location that has walls. <laughs> so um, so that is a bummer on a so day So are like they today. closed today? Well, we'll be open, you know, but if it's lightning, we'll close because it's too dangerous. So. Right. Um, but we're here out in O'Fallon, and we have 16 greenhouses filled with plants. Absolutely. Totally um, filled. Totally filled. Uh, almost every plant you can imagine. Um, All kinds of different sizes, too. Yeah, we have beautiful hanging baskets. Uh, we specialize in custom containers. We also make people's custom containers. Right. We either go to their homes or they bring their pots to us. Um, we have lots of perennials. We have a zillion tropicals, uh, bedding plants, four-inch pots, um, Probably every plant that I probably picked out every catalog and just said, I think that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty. Um, and we have some fan favorites like this Lofos. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Um, apparently, it's been very popular this year, and we're the only people that have been growing it. So You're that's, kidding. No, it's a great plant. Wow. Morning sun, after, morning sun not very little, little shade. Um, 
thrives in the heat. You do some wild stuff with sedums, too. Uh, yeah, sedums and succulents. Um, right. It's hard to believe succulents are still popular, but still a growing sensation. You, so Yeah, you don't have to be a member of the Henry Shaw Cactus Society yeah, to love them. You Just don't. normal it's, people. Exactly. <laughs> and they're really easy to keep alive. So right. But people do love those. And I saw you have some air plants or tillandsias too. We Only do. a buck. I know. Wow. It's a bargain. Come down and get your tillandsia. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then we do have, we do try to um, relay good prices to our customers. Since right. we grow it all here, except for tropicals, um, we are a, a locally grown garden center. So we try sure. to be competitive. Now, I do have a question about your two pigs. Okay. And now, if it's raining like this, do they have a shelter? Yes, they have a red barn, but oh. they love the rainy, gross day. They are wallowing <laughs> back there in mud and sloth, and this is like a dream day for them. So, uh, well, yeah. good. So, yeah, so this is for them, exactly, right, exactly. and the plants outside. Right. Um, and then a day like this, too, I mean, people, there are all kinds of, like you said, 16 greenhouses, so people, you know, you don't have to worry about being outside a whole lot. No, we have umbrellas here. We help people walk around. We'll even go get their plants in the back houses, walk them to the car, whatever it takes on wow. a rainy day. So you guys are great. Yeah, full service. We have a great staff, and um, hopefully we continue to be this lucky and fortunate. So. Right. So, you know, talking about the farmland out mm-hmm. back, it's already, I mean, there's some water building up there. So yeah. what's what's beyond the, where the tree line is? Another people, other Another properties. Another farm. Right. We have uh, 68 acres, uh, of which I guess we farm maybe 50, 45, 50 acres. Wow. Farm soybean. Sweet corn. My husband likes to grow sweet corn. He likes to have a corn party every year. (laughs) Um, And we're, again, we're just a full-service garden center with lots of annuals, perennials, tropicals, bedding plants. How about hours? Uh, Nine to six every day, Sunday, 10 to six. Uh, Our Olivet hours are 10 to to six, uh, Monday through, or seven days a week. Sorry, it's very confusing. Um, but really, out here, out here, we start at nine. In Olivet, we start at ten. Okay, great. Well, thanks. So, okay, thank thanks you for having us out. Well, thanks for joining us on a beautiful rainy day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs> and now let's go to Dolores, and Dolores is in Hazelwood. Hi, Dolores. Hi, Mike. I have a dragon tree in in the house, and it's about two feet tall. But now something is getting at the leaves of it because they're. They're um, brown at the bottom, and they're falling off, and there's some spots on some of the leaves. Is there anything I can do to save this little tree? Uh, just watch now. It's natural for the lowest leaves to be falling off because it actually mm-hmm. is a tree. So that's yeah. not something to be concerned with. The spots on the leaves, um, I would say just look on the underside of leaves. If you don't see any insects, do you have it in plenty of sunlight? Yes, uh, it's in front of a... a window where it gets the uh, sun as it goes down in the evening. Okay, so it's only getting a couple mm-hmm. hours of sun then. Uh-huh. Yeah, can you move it where you're going to get more sun on it? I can, yeah. Okay, put it where you can get the maximum amount of sun, Get a you know, go to your favorite garden center, get some fertilizer, fertilize it uh, at half the label rate that's you know on the fertilizer container box or whatever it happens to be, and fertilize it uh, you know about once a month. You, uh, this month, which is you know basically over with, but May, June, July, August, and then maybe once in September, and then none after that. Okay, all right, I'll try it. All right, great. Okay, thank you. Yep, mm-hmm. Hazelwood, we're jumping from there over to Maryville, Illinois, and going into Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello, Mike. Good morning. Hi. I've got a couple silver maples in the yard, about eight, nine years old. They're not, you know, real big. 
But cutting the grass the other day, I walked by them and noticed some little bitty red nodules on the leaves. So it was dark when I got done. I didn't get to go back. Is that some sort of a varmint hooked on the leaf? Uh, basically, it's probably something that stung the leaf and maybe potentially, you know, laid eggs on it, and that's you know what's in there. But uh, it's not too, you know a real severe concern that you know to be overly worried about, especially on the silver maples, which are you know so tough and durable. But if I've noticed in the past, uh, toward the middle of the summer, I get a lot of black spots on there. Is that what these things are eating holes in it? Or yeah, something? yeah, it could be. As these things more or less, you know, as the insect leaves, then that spot where they are, that thing just basically falls off, and that's what causes the spotting. Also, hail can cause spotting as well. Well, these are just little bitty tiny red nodules on every leaf. Uh, should I miticide it or something? Uh, they're probably not mites. I forget. Exa- I don't want to say they're thrips, but they're something like a thrip. But uh, if you have access to the internet, just go and look for spots on maple leaves, and that will tell you specifically what insect that is. All right. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, but silver maples are really tough. They're really durable, so you don't worry. Need to worry too much about them. One with a lawnmower several years ago and knocked some skin off at the soil line. And uh, first it opened wide, and now it looks like it's closing itself over. Right, because, I mean, that's called the cambium layer. Anybody that knocks, you know, runs into the trunk of any kind of tree or if you get any kind of split or result of something, any loose bark, make sure you get rid of that because that's going to enable it to heal itself a little bit quicker. So thanks, Joe. And now let's go to Florence, and Florence is in Troy, Missouri. Hi, Florence. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a question. A friend gave me a Greta agonema, and I have it in the south window. I talked to you before, and you said put it in the south window. Mm-hmm. It's very well putting out new leaves. But my question is, can I set it outside? I have a, a porch that's sort of southeast, and it gets morning sun. But in the later afternoon, I have a trellis work up that grows morning glories, and my porch is shaded. Uh, can I set it outside on the porch? Yes. You're probably, I mean, that sounds like a perfect spot. Because, you know, taking things from inside and putting them in direct sun, some really tough, durable plants can handle that. But for the most part, you're going to cause more problems. So this sounds like an ideal place. Okay, thank you. Yep, and uh, enjoy your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. As you know, if you weren't there, I would not be here. So now let's go to, well, we should probably take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we still got about uh, 10 minutes here at Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center on Firma Road off Highway 79 in O'Fallon. Easy to find, just 70 to up 79. And Firma Road's just past the uh, water treatment plant. I mean, it's right next to it. So uh, let's go now to Jason, and Jason is in St. Louis. Hi, Jason. Hey, how are you doing? Very good. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Certainly. I just wanted to ask you a, 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 a simple question. Hey, uh, you know, 
uh, in uh, New York, Philadelphia, and uh, the Central West End. Uh, how how do I make uh, sweet potatoes? I mean, I make them bloom. Basically, if you're talking about the ornamental sweet potatoes, if you just keep them blooming, I mean, growing, good foliage and everything else, later on in the season, they'll all have blue flowers on them. That's awesome. So, So, I mean, if I just, like, put them in some dirt and... I don't know. The regular sweet potatoes, you should probably get the ornamental sweet potatoes. The regular sweet potatoes, I'm not sure about uh, how long it would take them to uh, actually grow, but you can get the ornamental sweet potato vines, and it works very easily. Oh, oh, oh okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Yep. And uh, like I said, later on in the season, after about uh, two months or so, you should start seeing some blue flowers, pale blue. They're about an inch and a half to two inches long, kind of a tubular shape. So thanks, Jason. And now let's go to uh, Frank in St. Charles. Hi, Frank. Hey, good morning. Uh, Hi. I got a fast question. Um, my mother-in-law had a large wisteria along her driveway. We had to get rid of it because it was blocking her view, backing out. Uh, it was very large, so we had it commercially done, and then uh, they used one of those stump removers. Yeah. But she still has um, parts of it growing back. Right. Is that going to happen forever? Uh, <laughs> no, but basically it can happen for a while. It could be shoots coming off the root system. It could be coming, you know, even if they ground out the stump, they probably didn't get, you know, all of it entirely, so that's what's happening. But each year... The root system is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker because it doesn't have any foliage, any leaves to actually help with the, you know, the strength of the plant. So in other words, right. the root system uptakes nutrients and moisture, sends it up to the leaves. They make chlorophyll and then send it down to the root system and then help right. the plant out. So each year, and this is with anything that's taken out, the root system implodes more and more and more. And finally, they'll just kind of go away. Okay. So anything that grows up, just lop it off and we'll be Yes, fine. right. Just cut it off and then it shouldn't be a problem. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And uh, let's go from St. Charles to O'Fallon, right down the street from where we are, I guess, and go into Leslie's yard. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Um, I have a problem. I have a huge pin oak in the backyard, and it's covered in galls. Ooh. There's yeah. Not, yeah, there's not really too much you can do. The galls only become problematic if you get so many on a branch that the weight of the galls actually cause some stress fractures or cracks. Then moisture as it runs down the trunk can get into there and cause some heartwood rot. But in and of themselves, the galls are not problematic. Aesthetically, they're horrible. But that's about all. You know, there's not really too much you can do. Yeah, I thought about taking it out. I hate to take a tree out, um, but they... I had some problem with some, I was trying to take out a plant that was kind of on the fence underneath of that tree Mm -hmm. and got severe itching. So I did a little bit of research on this oak itch tree mite thing. And I'm thinking, can you tell me anything about this? Uh, That's a new one on me. I've never really heard of that one. So oak itch. There was oak itch tree mites um it's something about there's a little insect like a midge a female larva that's inside of these galls and the these little mites eat these this larva or whatnot um and i called the botanical gardens about it and they said yeah they've heard of it it's a problem in missouri illinois iowa 
couple other places. I was hoping maybe you could tell me something about it. Uh, well, I, I know that my dog, a certain time of year, is is licking his feet uh, uncontrollably. So I didn't know um, if it had something to do with that or not. It could certainly, and if it is a mite, though, you're going to have to have somebody spray a miticide on them. So yeah, yeah. It, I think at the botanical gardens they told me really there's nothing that you can spray on it to to get rid of them um, because they're actually uh, down inside the galls. The galls, yes. So yeah. then I, you know, I would say if you really don't like it, the tree's got to go. Yeah, I sure hate to take a tree out. I'll plant something else, but you know, because it's—I don't know how old it is. Probably twenty years old, so it's a oh. good size pin oak. But right. it's covered in them, and some of the branches, like you said, they start to get heavy and they start to get weighed down and and break. Right, so. but yeah, this oak—you know, this itching mite thing—I've never ever heard of that in association with pretty much anything. So I'll have to do a little research on that. Oh, please do. If you find out anything, uh, you know, give a holler out, a shout out on the on the um, radio, and maybe I can catch that one. I will certainly do that. So thanks a lot thanks, for the Mike, insight. Thanks, Mike, for your information. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised the botanical garden would say a miticide wouldn't work because, I mean, these mites have to come out of that, you know, sometime or else how would they get down on the ground, you know, to cause their dog's paws to itch if that's what the cause is or causing you to itch. So let's go to Sandy in Maryland Heights. Hi, Sandy. Hello, how are you today? Very good. Um, I wanted to know what your opinion is on using rocks and landscape instead of mulch um, with, like, azaleas and um, perennials. Uh it's not the most ideal thing because there, you know, the organic quality of you know the mulch breaks down, adds nutrients, you know, helps with the pH depending upon what type of mulch you're using, and especially with something like azaleas and something like you know the perennials, that's you know that's kind of, would be a little bit iffy as far as using rock, but it's a the personal choice. I was trying to make life easier because I'm elderly and. Mulch you have to change every year, and well, this way it's a permanent situation. Well, you don't have to change it every year. You can just add every year well, when it gets really, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, yeah, you could. I have rock mulch around my house, but I don't have any plants planted in it. So it's, I mean, you could give it a try and decide what you, you know. If, if I that, use fertilizer, if I fertilize them well, will that help? No, it's not really the fertilizer. It's just the rock doesn't it's doesn't really insulate. It doesn't help, you know, moisture retention and those kind of things. It doesn't break down, you know, organic matter wise. So that's where the real problem comes in. Also in the wintertime rock gets colder. Also in the summertime rock gets hotter. So it generates heat that sends you know more let's say warmth, maybe above the normal amount of warmth down into the soil could impact the root systems. That's where my concern would be more so than anything else. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And let's see. Tom, if you can do it really quick, we can take your call, and uh, you'll be the last call of the day. Oh, uh, yeah. This is really quick. Uh, what's the answer about got a lot of, I got lots of pots. Do I replace the soil in the pots every year or half of it? Uh, I just see a lot of different opinions about this. I, I have had been growing plants and pots for f- over 40 years. I keep my potting mix 
you know, year after year after year after year. Unless I get something that's growing in that pot that has some kind of disease, then I get rid of it. But beyond that, I recycle it. I do add some new stuff. I, jump, I dump all the potting mix into Rubbermaid tubs for the wintertime. Then I blend it up together. It has some pea gravel in it a lot of times. It has all kinds of different stuff in it. But I reuse it. I, don't, you know, I can't see any reason to get rid of it. It just doesn't gotcha. make sense okay. to me because it's a growing medium. You're putting fertilizer in it. So to me, it just doesn't make sense. All right. Great. That's good to know. Thanks so much. Yep, and uh, I mean, some people totally disagree with me, but uh, that's kind of the way it goes. (laughs) I don't know everything. But uh, anyway, I want to thank Pauline of Plant Haven Farms and Garden Center for having us out today. It's been a great day out here in the rain. Luckily, when I first got here, it wasn't raining, but now it is raining. So stop by, though. They've got a full staff here to, you know, take care of any of your questions and a huge great amount of plants if you want to wait till a day when it's not raining i think they'll probably be open on a nice day as well so thanks to everybody for having me in and i will see you next week at alan's tree service this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.